Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It is a Monday, so you know that means Cray News with Kay on a Monday. Kay Smythe is along for the ride. It's a, she is a writer, commentary, news writer over at DailyCaller.com. You'll see her on Newsmax all the time and, of course, right here on the Joe Pag Show. Kay, how are you? Good to see you. I'm, I'm good. I'm really tired today. I went away for my first ever American Bachelorette this weekend. If anyone right. listening was in Boston and happened to see a bunch of uh, 20-year-old women dressed as founding fathers, that was me. Um, so I, as you can hear, we did some karaoke, but I'm feeling great. I'm loving America. I'm loving love. How are you doing today, Peg? Uh, I'm living the dream, but see, here's the thing. I saw the pictures up on Instagram and, uh, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, you're going to be like canceled. Are you allowed to proudly represent one of the founding fathers in this day and age? Isn't it somehow, um, uh, colonialism and imperialism and you're a something ism? Probably, but I don't really care. Like anyone can call me whatever they want. In this at this point in my life, I'm like, you know, I had I laughed so much this weekend. We people were stopping us, taking pictures with us. The number of people who just like walked by and smiled. It was the most fun. We didn't even have to wear makeup, which was even better. We got to wear comfy shoes. Uh, the clothes were fantastic, if I do say so myself. Right. And uh, yeah, everyone understood the assignment, and it was super fun. And yeah, if I get cancelled for it. I mean, the fun place has come after me many times, Joe. Yes. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Other people's op- opinions of me are none of my business. There you go. I, I like I like the perspective a lot. Now, I'm wondering, do you think the Founding Fathers all spoke English like you speak it? Well, I, I would assume not. We learned about this a little bit in school. In fact, I was, I was actually saying this weekend, because we were talking about sort of like the origins of different words and sort of like how it's different in the UK, things like that. And I was like, well, you you sort of have, you know, uh, 16 or so hundred years of like a mishmash of like Anglo, German, Latin, French nightmare. And then like Bill Shakespeare shows up and he's just like, bam, here's like thousands more words, guys. Just like (laughs) just use all of these as much as you want. Do whatever you want with them. Just like evolve them. Have fun. But you read Shakespearean English even compared to the English that we speak today. Totally different. I mean, I can't even understand what young people say, and I'm 29. Right. Um, so I would assume that it was probably a very different version of English in, like, a very practical sense. 
Um, but I would assume that they would have more of an accent like mine. Like right. that's it, where does the American accent come from? And Don't know. Obviously, there's no like standard one. What's, so what's interesting is because I know your boyfriend's uh, from the Carolinas and he's got a southern accent. Um, I think a southern accent, if you listen to it closely, is not that far from an English accent. But then go to New York, and if you break that down, that accent is also similar. It's almost like we had the English accent or the British accent, and to the north they went like uh, park the car in New York and stuff like that. Uh, and in the south they were like, yeah, 10 and 10 makes it 20. And, and, and you could sort of, uh, if you put the New York accent, Boston accent, they're different, but you put those together with like a southern, uh, maybe a Carolina or a Georgia accent, you might actually get a British accent out of it. I, do you know, you're so right. It's sort of like, uh, instead, I guess, what would that make then? I guess British is then uh, an American accent soup. There you That's go. the way that we can kind of look at it. But I, I do think that you guys have the superior accent. Really? Obviously, this accent is completely fabricated. Because <laughs> if I spoke in my Welsh accent, no one would understand me. I've heard you speak we Welsh. I have no clue what you're saying. No, I've heard you speak yeah. Welsh. It makes no sense. Uh, it, it, it really doesn't. Uh, it's uh, K. Smythe. Let's get into some serious stuff here. Is there an FDA recall on flour of all things? Yes. So there's a huge recall going on right now. It is a voluntary recall. Uh, the CDC started investigating it last month. So anyone listening and anyone who knows anyone, uh, it's General Mills. I believe it's the all-purpose flour. And then there's one other. Let me get the information up right now. Yeah, it looks like it's the General Mills gold medal bleached and unbleached all-purpose flour. So it needs to be disposed of immediately. And uh, the use-by dates on each of them would be around, like, uh, March 27th and March 28th, 2024. But I would just say, you know, just just start from scratch. If people want to get in touch with General Mills or read anything about it, you can literally just Google FDA General Mills recall. But it's been linked to salmonella. And that's no good. There's no. been no deaths, but a lot of hospitalized, or three or four hospitalizations. There's been a bunch of people come down. And that's just the ones that are recorded. So you know it's going to be way higher. We, we talk about um, this a lot. It's Case Smythe, uh, news and commentary writer at Daily Caller. See her on Newsmax. See her here all the time. Uh, we talk about this all the time. But is is there something going on with our food supply? Chickens aren't laying eggs. 18,000 cows go up in flames in, in Texas. You're hearing about eight or nine different food processing plants that just don't work. The formula plant just doesn't work. Now flour is being tainted. I mean, are we just reporting it better now? Or is there something going on? Well, I think we're reporting it better. But if you think about it realistically, we also now live in a very... No- like, I mean, I grow some stuff at home, but like our garden is still in the process of growing it's still like early spring uh we depend on external suppliers for basically all of our food and now joe when i was growing up so this was back in the 90s up until i would say sort of like the mid to early 2000s i grew up in a sort of old steel and coal mine coal mining town in wales we would go to the greengrocers to get all of our vegetables we would go to the butchers to get our meat we would go to the fishmonger to get our fish. Uh, it just, you know, baker to get your bread. I th- in fact, I think my parents still do go to the bakers, um, the same bakers I grew up with. But all of those other shops have completely gone. There's, it's very, very difficult in this day and age to find non-mass-produced food. And I think that that has created a dependency for all of us yes. uh, on a very unsustainable supply chain. I wrote a story earlier this year. 
that there are absolutely no models to track food supplies globally. Like we don't have that actual data and information other than how it relates to like financial futures, not in terms of how it's actually going to feed us. And if like I, I say this to someone at least once a day, go and start a small garden. You can literally do it. You need like this much room. You need a few feet by like 12 feet. You can get like a little kit on Amazon for like 30 bucks. You can go out into your garden and probably find or just all the stuff that you buy at the supermarket will literally regrow all those vegetables, all those fruits. They grow themselves. And I think it's the most important thing right. that people can do right now. Well, is it's just so scary. To, it's scary to watch the news. I mean, we're seeing these things happen all the time. And now we're recalling flour, for God's sakes. It's all very strange. It's Casemythe. Go to Casemythe.com. Now, Kate, you're way too young, but I'm guessing because you're, you're into this sort of thing, you probably watched it. Terminator was out way before you were even thought of. Terminator <laughs> was about the machines taking over. Terminator <laughs> was that the machines got so smart, they got smarter than the people that programmed them, and AI, uh, artificial intelligence, took over the, the, the entire world. And it was doom and destruction for the human race. Uh, again, I don't want to act like it's happening, but, okay, is it happening? Yeah, it's absolutely happening. Like, it's, you know, Terminator, The Matrix. Yes. So uh, let's contextualize, I guess, a little bit. So I write a lot about AI for The Daily Caller. And honestly, it doesn't. People aren't as interested in AI as they are like Yellowstone or Morgan Wallen, but it has far more of an existential uh, importance. Will we ever do an interview without you mentioning Morgan Wallen or no? No, that's never going to okay, happen. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Turn it into a drinking game for everyone who's not driving right now. Exactly. Um, but anyway, or like, I don't know, hit me up on Twitter every time I mention him. But no, AI, I think it's one of those things where because we hear about it so much in pop culture, it's really easy to write off the importance. So like I did a piece last year that was part of my column and it was something like step aside, like annoying, overindulgent, egomaniac journalists, your robot replacement has arrived. And it was all about ChatGPT. And when that started becoming, you know, known within the sort of Twitter sphere and things like that, um, and in sort of mainstream news media then as as time went on. Um, and it's sort of one of those things where it makes me nervous to think about the potential capabilities, but the real threat from AI doesn't come, I don't think, from like some big robot uprising like iRobot or something or Terminator or The Matrix. I actually think it comes from, once again, an unsustainable system that continues to normalize greed and complacency. So when you have robots that can do everything that humans are supposed to do and fill those gaps, you're going to see so many people lose jobs. I feel very, very nervous for anyone who got any kind of computing to in the last 20 years or like literally from today back if you're currently in a computing degree go and switch to agriculture seriously wow. um i think it's going to eradicate um a lot of purpose and part of me what freaks me out about that joe is we lose knowledge like we are declining as a society every day because we, we suffer from exponential knowledge loss like the stuff that you know that old saying, like the reason the grandma survived the depression is because she knew how to do things. I, I know like maybe three people my age um, who would survive if we went through a depression. Like I, I, I genuinely believe most of the people I know would starve because 
A, it's going to be total societal decline and collapse. And I think B, because you lack, like, or most people lack, I mean, John and I talk about it all the time. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know how to do. But say, for example, we give all the robots these jobs, and then we, in a generation, two, three, maybe, I don't think we'll get to three, maybe two. But by the time that second generation sort of rolls around, what happens if, I don't know, a solar storm hits? An asteroid hits, a volcano goes off, there's mass civil unrest. Right. If anything turns off, like the, the power grid, I don't even want to get into how scary, vulnerable that is right now. But if any of that goes off, we lose not only the machines that do everything that we need to survive, but we also don't know how to go back and fix it. We don't know how to uh, mitigate the long-term effects of that loss. Like, we live in a completely unsustainable system and it is being pushed upon us and we don't have to live this way. I want to dial it back a little bit because we've gone a little bit into the into the weeds and, and I love when you do that. Your tangents are awesome and that accent's pretty cool. But <laughs> um, let's dial it back a little bit. I'm going I'm to show you something. Those who are not watching, uh, I'm, I'm showing a Rubik's Cube right now. Uh, I don't, you probably don't even know this about me, but I solved the Rubik's Cube very, very, very quickly. Oh, uh, no, I've, I've seen you. Yeah, my, my average today, I'm kind of slow, is about 25, 30 seconds. My fastest ever is 14 seconds. The guy who, who created it is named uh, Erno Rubik. The guy who created it, uh, the fastest he's ever gone on the cube that he created is a minute. The world record on the cube that he created is, I think, five seconds, something like that. It's how fast these kids, it's done. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about in a very basic way. I always thought, well, we created the computers. They can't be smarter than us. We, we created the technology. They can't, it can't be better than us. We created the thought process and gave it the ability to think, but it can't think better than us. We're the ones that created it. And the, the reality is, Erno Rubik is very, very slow, at, or I don't know if he's still around. He's very slow at, at, at solving his own cube that he designed, that he came up with. That tells you that you can be surpassed. Be careful what it is that you're putting in. I think that's the – I know that you got Stephen Hawking is in, is in the story that you sent me. What did he say about AI? He was afraid of it, wasn't he? Sorry, that was just such a wonderful analogy. I'm going to steal that and Please. totally rip it off as my own. <laughs> it was that good. Thank you. Wow. Okay, that's beautiful. What, what, um, what, what, what did Hawking yeah. say? This is allegedly one of the smartest people ever to live. What did, he was afraid of it. He was absolutely terrified. I wrote a piece about Stephen Hawking last year where one of the last things he said before he died was don't send signals into space telling aliens where we are. They will come here and kill us. And then it turns out that one of the other last things he said about four years before he died was that AI or artificial intelligence will literally be the end of humanity. Um, so that's fun. You know, Definitely when not. one of the yeah. smartest theoretical physicists that's ever existed comes out with that, it's like, oh, okay, cool. But let's just go ahead and do it anyway. And, and, now, and, and, and now we have our modern day sort of savant in Elon Musk, who also hates it. He's like, we got to slow this down. We have to slow down. I guess he was involved in ChatGBT, and he says somebody else stole it from him, or they took it away, or they did something else with it, that he's thinking about coming out with, with his own to put the brakes on. Yeah, we want AI. We like AI, but holy crap. What's the regulatory stuff that I think Musk really focuses on, which I think is surprising for him. But again, he's like, he he claims to have a very uh, macro view of humanity. He sort of looks as a, like, I think he thinks of himself in many ways as like a shepherd through a lot of the crises that are happening right now. And 
I don't know. I always just, I, I don't know. I, I, when it comes to Elon Musk, I think he'll do whatever the heck he wants. Right. But the fact that he's so concerned about getting it regulated, I think should speak volumes to the potential threat that this Can thing... we slow it down, Kay? I think that's the question du jour. No, Can we slow it down? No. I don't think so. I mean, maybe if we decide as a society that making our food supply sustainable is more important, like right. that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, which is another thing that I write a lot. And, you know, you know, Joe, I go on about it all the time. But I think that it really is going to take a fundamental shift in macro social psychologies to realize that the stuff that most billionaires, pretty much every politician, the stuff they focus on doesn't help us. It ultimately hurts us. Um, and we should just pretty much ignore the lot of them and figure out how to not live with that kind of, you know, global elitism that we have right now. All this power centered in just a few hand, like a few individuals. Yeah. Communism. That's probably what we need to just start steering away from. And then most of our problems will be solved. Can you imagine if we actually did that? It's Case Smythe. Take her advice. Go and plant <laughs> a, a tomato thing in the backyard. Go, go in and make some. If you make your own food, which we've done, and you eat your own food, you suddenly, A, you're, this tastes different and better than it does at the store. It's not going through that process that you said you don't even know where the supply chain really starts and ends. And you also feel very accomplished. And learn how to do something. I actually had this conversation about 30 years ago at a TV station. Uh, and the conversation was, if, if somebody invades, could you survive if every job that we know of um, goes away? And my answer was, yes, I can entertain, I can do music, I could also fix cars. And I think that m- might be beneficial. And I think that your point 30 years later, just now, what is a great point, is that there is a whole generation that can't do anything. They can't yeah. fix cars, might not be able to play music, might not be able to add, you know, add, subtract and divide. What, what are they going to do should something change everything that we know? And we're going to pick that up next time because I think that's a great question. I love that you posed the question. What, what will people do if everything changed tomorrow? That's a beautiful one. Let Could me know on Twitter. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, Kay, you're the best. Go to casemite.com. Check her out on The Daily Caller. Check her out on Newsmax TV. Appreciate you, Kay. Appreciate you, Joe. Thank right. you so much. Back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Motown Monday, get it done. The Joe Pag Show. We appreciate Kay coming on. Interesting information about AI. Keep an eye on AI. Because when Elon Musk is complaining about it as well, you know there's something to it. So, so make sure you keep an eye on what's happening with that. Do me a favor. Go If you want to see that Joe Biden versus the teleprompter video, my latest reel over on Instagram is about that. My come on, video. Go there and check it out. It's Instagram.com slash Joe Talk Show. Or go in your mobile app, Joe Talk Show. Excuse the pop culture. Yep. Dirty pop. <laughs> Hi, Paul. What's happening? So the Met Gala happens every year. You know, there's always these weird outfits that people wear. And, yeah, I think last year was AOC did something stupid, right? Right. So there, there were a couple of, uh, I guess, debuts or, or reveals, if you want to call it. Uh, one of them was Serena Williams uh, announcing or debuting that she's uh, pregnant with her second child. Who, Serena Williams? Yes. Nice. But that, the outfit shows off that she's pregnant? Yes. Uh, the the second one was a little crazier. Somebody dressed up as a cat. Like a full-on cat. Come on, dude. 
And then they really they reveal themselves to be Jared Leto, dressed that's up as right. Lagerfeld's cat. All right, there you go. That's Polo. That's Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. See you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.